Good evening. Thank you for having me over here. We'll continue to read from Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha after our little detour up to the Bhakti Sandarbha. So just as a reminder, we're in a section of the Krishna Sandarbha where Jiva Goswami is uh, fortifying uh, the Pariva Sutra, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, uh, by a fourfold army and we're now at the final section of that and he's this is just a little a little bit of a detour he's actually already shown that all the major discussions in the Bhagavat Purana in the Srimad Bhagavatam are pointing to Bhagavan Sri Krishna as the main as the main purpose um, so even that uh, sometimes Krishna's described in in the Srimad Bhagavatam in an indirect way, um, still, for one whose knowledge is the fully knowledgeable of the whole import of the Srimad Bhagavatam and its its ultimate purpose, all those narrations should be seen as bringing us closer to a deeper understanding of Krishna, Bhagavan Sri Krishna. And of course, it culminates in the 10th canto where we have, I mean, a whole canto filled with the leela of, of Krishna. And um, if, we, if we really look at the Goswami's writings, uh, aside for the, from those writings that are directly related, related to um, Abhideya, how to properly execute devotional life, how to properly align ourselves and turn our consciousness inwards like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and, and uh, other such works. Primarily their writings are, are centered on extensive commentaries on the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam. Vaishnav Toshani, uh, you know, Lagu Bhagavatamrita, Brihat Bhagavatamrita, Lagu Bhagavatamrita, of course, is more of a general description of all the various manifestations of Krishna. But uh, the Goswami's writings, of course, are, are centered primarily, of course, on uh, revealing the nature of, uh, of uh, Lord Krishna. And we also find what I found interesting, and I'll just share this with you before we get into the class, is... Uh, I'm now reading Vishwanath's commentary again on the uh, 10th canto and I've I've gone I've gone out of the I'm now like in the second part and the second part is what did Krishna do in Dwarka and uh, you know all the different you know Narada goes there and sees Krishna you know and uh, all of his daily activities with 16,000 wives and all those wives were engaged. Krishna was engaged differently in all those different manifestations. Interestingly enough, at different times of the day, even. So all those Prakash manifestations, those... Uh, but what I really noted as I'm, as I'm, you know, I'm hearing about Krishna now in the Sudama, you know, hall, 
you know, and he's 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 a young prince, and they're entertaining him, you know. Uh, the bards are there, and the Brahmins are there, and they're chanting mantras, and there's there's uh, you know uh, different professional uh, entertainers entertaining Krishna as he sits on the throne, and then you know in walks a Brahmana who's conveying a message. But what I noted is that because of the good fortune of our background and and the 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 saintly sadhu association that we've had in our life, uh, you know, both Srila uh, Prabhupada and uh, Guru Maharaj. Uh, Swami Triparari, that I really, my consciousness is drawn more to Vraj Leela. And it's not, a, it's not, I've never noticed this before. Of course, I'm getting old now, but I've never noticed this before through my life. I've always kind of like been able to read through the Bhagavatam and read it all and it's all just relishable. But now it's like, yeah, I just want I just want Braj Leela. That's the only thing that's that's the most satisfying for me. Now, of course, Vishwanath always points, you know, towards you know the Braj Leela, and that's the way Jiva is training us in his Sandarbhas that we see through all the narrations of the Bhagavat Purana this emphasis on Krishna. And when we think of Krishna as Gaudiya Vaishnavas, we naturally think of Krishna and Vraj. We can't conceive of him outside of Vraj fully. He's not fully, he's not fully himself when he's a prince in Dwarka. He's not fully himself unless he's surrounded with his cowherd boyfriends and his, the gopis. He's not full in himself, you know, in his Leela according to our Gaudiya conception, except when he's, you know, you know, in the house of Nanda and Yasoda. So our, our consciousness, due to the association of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, it's coming to us, and we don't realize it, but it's having a profound effect on our conception of the Supreme. And, I mean, I don't think there's any among us who say I want to I want to worship you know Vishnu you know laying on Anantasesha with Lakshmi at his feet. It just it's nice. It's a nice manifestation of Krishna. But you know I'd much rather hear about Krishna running off into the the you know the groves and onto the Yamuna and being fed by the cowherds and and chasing after the calves and killing the demons. You know that's where gradually our our highest we develop such a taste for that and it's coming through the disciplic succession and it's a coming it's not coming it's not like hey we only want to hear about krishna you've never heard we only want to hear about braj leela we've never heard we don't hear that the, the acharyas in our line don't don't say well we're only going to speak from the the first you know uh, uh, 35, 40 chapters, first 40, 40 chapters of the 
tenth canto. That's all we're going to read. The rest of it, we just want to focus there. You know, that's not. No, we read the whole Bhagavad Purana. We read all the, you know, all the various literatures. But gradually, because of the influence of the sampradaya, our consciousness gets turned to Raj Lila. We, and that becomes the intent and the the focus of our innermost aspiration spiritually. Of course, there's a lot mixed in there along the way, dealing with the Anarthas and like that. But uh, I think that's one thing we can also take away from this, uh, this focus that Jiva's giving here of, of looking at the, the whole Bhagavat Purana and thinking about the fact that all of it is, is truly pointed towards this one manifestation of God, Krishna's, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. And this is, this is unique for our Sampradaya. And then when we look at Krishna, when we look at the Krishna manifestation, we only want that Krishna in Vraj, the sweetest of the sweetness of Krishna. The sweetness of his of his of his form of his associates of his lila and his flute playing in that environment, and the whole Brihat Bhagavatamrita pushes us towards that environment. It ends in in that that's the topmost environment. That's where Krishna's the most complete of all of his completeness. Of course, he's also complete in Dwarka. I mean, all these. All these places, you know, uh, Vrindavan, uh, Mathura, and Dwarka, these are all part of, you know, Goloka, Vrindavan. So they're all there. Um, but it all points to Vraj. Even the, even the Leela and Dwarka, what are, the, what are the residents there thinking? Wow, he's so much happier. He can't even sleep at night without, in his dreams, out of his mouth is coming this about wanting to be back in Raj. And, you know, he's, he's, he's always thinking of his, of, of his associates there. And he's always thinking of, well, they're separated from me and what anxiety they're in. And then from there, it's, you know, I have to send Uddhava. And Uddhava just thinks that he can you know, give a philosophical discourse to the gopis that's going to satisfy their heart. Yeah, no, that's not going to, that's not happening. <laughs> so. So uh, the same thing is here. We, we're, we're studying this and, and Jiva Goswami, the, I mean, the greatest logician is, is bringing us to this conclusion from the beginning of the Tattvas and Dharva where we're just learning about what is really knowledge and what is what is truly what's truth and knowledge what is true i mean that's that's a big thing and then to be able to see the the shortcomings of all the knowledge that the world has to offer us in comparison to the the intuitive knowledge the the revelational knowledge the that's available uh, through the practice of bhakti from the inception of our bhakti it's from the beginning the practices are, are, are letting us enter into, into that core revelation 
Now the depth of the revelation in the beginning may be, we may not recognize how deep and profound we're being affected, that's for sure. We don't know what what's in store for us. and We don't know how much the association of our guru and the sadhus and our associate, how much that's having, how much of an effect that's having on us. We don't, it's, it's, it's beyond our comprehension because our comprehension is in the beginning centered on what? It's centered outward. So we don't, we really have no facility to look in and say, oh, you know, we may say I feel some relief and then sometimes we don't feel relief. What am I doing here? What is it? You know, but over time we start saying, whoa, yeah. And from the very beginning, devotees, I mean, Vishwanath makes this very clear in his commentary. And he has the most of all the commentators, you know, the original commentators, maybe, maybe more contemporary uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, I mean, he is the the most magnanimous as far as his his presentation of the the immediate effects of bhakti and the immediate immediately from the very beginning. There's complete the the devotees are given complete shelter. We don't recognize that in the beginning. I'm not sheltered. I don't feel that way, but. I can see my guru's got some shelter, but look at me, I'm just hanging out here. But no, you're not. You're, that's, that's not the right idea. We, it's a way we, way we may feel because of the mind and the senses that have been conditioned since time immemorial. We may not recognize what's actually happening behind the scenes in our own hearts and our own inner consciousness. But the more we progress in devotional life, we start to see that and we can recognize in younger and newer devotees that yes, they may not be recognizing how spiritually advanced they are. You know, as an old man, you could say, wow, here's this new person that, wow, the humility and the, and the, and the grace and the, and the determination of this young man is, is overwhelming to me. And, and we see that, we don't necessarily, you know, express it as an older devotee as much as, as much as in expressing it, it may curtail <laughs> some of the, some of the seriousness that's required in the practice at times, but don't see, and, and even if, if an old man like myself can recognize it, who has no spiritual qualification, what to speak of the guru, what to speak of somebody that's truly qualified. So um, just a couple things there. So Anucheta 68, so now he's taking a little bit of a course. He's already given a lot of, first of all, showing that specifically, primarily, if we look at all the narrations, the Chatur Sloki, those four verses spoken to Brahma by Krishna at the at the beginning of creation, you know, or Jiva Goswami's really made it clear to us, you know, I mean, this is only Krishna. These verses were spoken by Krishna. They weren't sp spoken by other, any other manifestation of the Supreme. 
It's not like Vishnu was speaking these verses. These were coming directly from Krishna. And he gives so much evidence to that point. So we understand the whole Bhagavatam is expanded from these four verses. So he's ended up there, right? He's expanded, saying, okay, now we know that the whole Bhagavatam is contained in these four verses. So all the rest of the Bhagavatam is just unpacking these four verses. And then, again, we have another approach, and these approaches, approaches aren't contradictory, but the beginning six questions posed by the sages of Namasaranya to uh, Sutta Goswami, those questions are answered and are the, are the main topic of the entire Bhagavat Purana, the entire Bhagavatam. So throughout the Bhagavatam, these six questions are ad addressed. And so on both counts, both from the sages and from the Chatur Sloki, the four key verses, these are in opposition to each other. Why? Because they both point specifically to Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. Swayam Bhagavan for Sri Krishna in Braj for us. <laughs> so that's our special. I mean, even the verse, you know, even Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. As I said, other Gaudiya Sampradayas do not put the emphasis on that verse that we do. They think that the main manifestation is is uh, Narayan, Lakshmi Narayan in Vaikuntha. Krishna is just a manifestation of Narayan. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> and Jeeva is showing us, no, that doesn't work. Because why? And this is a whole book, one Sandarva, dedicated to one little pada from one sloka. Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam expanded into a whole Sandarbha. Here we find the true hierarchy of the different manifestations of the Supreme Lord. This is where it's found. So back to these questions. So Sunaka emphasizes the power of hearing Bhagavan's glories. So we're going to go through a few of these this evening uh, rather quickly. Just bear in mind as, as we hear what Jiva writes in these Anuchetas, in these sections, that uh, Jiva Goswami is just emphasizing the point that these questions specifically are, di are directed to Sutta Goswami, who's answering Sunaka's questions. This is the first canto. Sukadev Goswami hasn't arrived on the scene yet. He comes at the beginning of the second canto. So uh, this, is, this is preliminary to that. And then we work up to that through the narration of Sutta Goswami. We're brought to the doorstep and the introduction of Maharaj Parikshit. And, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of beautiful Leela here. Bring us to the point of Maharaj Parikshit and the womb and, the, you know, what's happening. It's like, Okay, this is an introduction here, and then all of a sudden, you know, Maharaj Pariksit has committed an offense to a Brahmin, and he's decided, well, I'll take it, I'll take it now, I'll take the offense, give me. He could certainly counteract it, but he didn't. 
I was just reading the uh, same thing in the, in the narration of uh, uh, Nriga, this, uh, this great uh, magnanimous personality who was uh, the, the king of, the king of, of donate, donators. He was the, at the top of the tithing circle, <laughs> so to speak. And uh, so somehow or other, you know, you know the narration, the cow went back into his thing and he gave it a second time. And, and then and finally he comes to the end of his life and he goes to Yamaraj and, you know, Yamaraj says, okay, you've, you have done so much piety in your life by giving to Brahmins beyond belief what you gave to the Brahmins. I cannot see an end. I mean, this is Yamaraj. He's the, he's the topmost keeper of the books of, of what's in store for us. And he says to, to this, you know, King Nurga, I cannot find an end in the future where you'll, where you'll exhaust the amount of pious credit that you have coming to you. I can't, I, I can't calculate it. I don't know when it's going to happen because you got so much pious credit. Of course, this thing with giving the cow twice, that's a problem. But anyway, it's your choice. You could either take the result of your impiety or your piety first. I leave it to you. And just as Maharaj Parikshit says, I'll take the curse of the Brahmin because I've offended a Brahmin and I mean, basically, he's committing, he said, I, I, I take this and I, I accept that my life will end in seven days. Didn't have to. He, he had more Brahmins and, I mean, a little, this is a young Brahmin boy who, who cursed him. So he could have counteracted it very easily with, you know, the Brahmins that he had on, you know, on his staff back at the, you know, back at the palace. They could have, uh, you know, buried that, buried that uh, curse and, uh, and counteracted it in, in no uncertain terms. But he said, no, I'll take it. Same with Brink Negra. Yeah, uh, I, I know maybe you can't see the end of my piety, but I know that it will be an end and then there'll be the impious. So I'm the kind of guy that likes to get the bad stuff out of the way. So... I'll take the bad. And he immediately as he started to think that I'll, I'll take the bad, he immediately saw himself falling down into the, into, you know, into a, into an animal, a lizard, a big lizard. And he ended up in a well. He immediately perceived that. And then of course, you know, the narration from there, the Krishna's kids are out playing and, they see the lizard in the well. And they try to get him out, and they can't do it. You know. Of course, they were all as strong as powerful as Krishna, but it's Leela, so they couldn't get him out. So, Daddy, can you please come and get this lizard out of the well? We don't want him in there. As soon as Krishna touched him, he became again. He took on his 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 form as a uh, a great uh, kingly personality. I'm getting carried away a lot tonight. Let's go on. 
In accord with a verse from the 10th canto just cited, 1090-47, Sunaka echoes the same idea in the following verse. So here again, we're going back to the beginning questions. Who indeed, although seeking purity, would not listen to the glory of Bhagavan, whose deeds are praised in choice verses? For his glory, Yasa, is such that it wipes away the impurities of the age of Kali. Jiva writes here, the word api, although, is to be adjoined with the compound sudikama, seeking purity. The rhetorical question implies that, in reality, no one seeking purity <clears throat> would neglect to hear the story of Bhagavan. Why? Because his glory, Yasa, is such that it wipes away even the impurities of Kali Yuga. Um, so first point is we want to hear about Krishna and who wouldn't want to hear about Krishna? So he's, he's reinforcing, Sunaka's reinforcing the point here to Sutta. Who wouldn't want to hear about Krishna? First of all, who wouldn't want to associate? He, he began with what? Who wouldn't want to associate with the sadhus that think of Krishna? Remember, that's where we started before we went took on the detour off to the Bhakti Siddharva. Because why? Just being in their presence is immediately, immediately has a, has a purifying effect on us. Just being in their presence. And then I wanted to elaborate. We went to the Bhakti Sandarbha and we saw that well, somehow that's what, what, where we're at may have an influence on the immediacy of that, right? So we went there and now we're back. So first, who wouldn't want to associate with those devotees who are so powerful in and of themselves? How powerful? more powerful than the Ganga, more powerful than the Ganges, that the Ganges you have to bathe in every day to be purified of your sins. Once being in the proximity of a sadhu, and you don't have to recognize him, and he doesn't have to recognize you, he's that powerful, he can immediately purify you. Of course, if you have offenses, then he has to actually have an intent to purify you. And that those intents were to differing degrees about according to what? The different degrees of a mentality we may have, like we may see him as, as just a regular guy, not see him for what he really is, a saint, a sadhu. So therefore, he's going to have, in that case, if we see him like that, then what? then he's going to have to glance our way and say, it's okay. You can look at me any way you want, but I want all good fortune for you under all conditions. So we went through all those different stages. So now we're going back and what's Sunaka saying? And who wouldn't want to hear the narrations of Krishna's Leela? Who wouldn't want to do that? They're immediately purifying. So now he goes on to say, what about the acts that Krishna performs and that are narrated about? 
So he goes on to say, all this is building up to Sutta, just tell us about Krishna. We want to hear just about Krishna. So it goes on. This is the first canto, first chapter. Now we're up to the 17th verse. Please narrate to us who are full of faith. We have qualification to hear. Don't cast us aside and don't, you know, narrate some karma kanda or some other lower, you know, parodic uh, thing based for based on people that may have just faith in the modes of material nature, that may have an intent only for material enjoyment according to goodness, passion, or ignorance. We have faith, so we got something going for us. We have faith in these narrations and their potency. So now, can you narrate? The munificent acts sung by great devotees of Bhagavan Sri Krishna who accepts various forms as a matter of divine play, Leela. Jiva explains, the word Udharani, munificent, means that Krishna's acts, such as taking birth, bestow supreme bliss. Although utterly complete in himself, he accepts other forms, Kala. Kala is a way of talking of Krishna's forms. Uh, such as that of the Purusha, as a matter of divine play, Lilaya. Please describe the munificent acts of he who has avatarically appeared while incorporating all these other partial forms as well. This is the intended sense. So Shiva is saying, this is what's really Sunaka saying here on behalf of the sages of Dhammasaranya. He wants to hear about Krishna. So Jiva's saying, he, he wants to hear about Krishna. Why? Because all the other avataric descents are included in him. So Jiva's pointing it out. Don't, don't take this verse, you know, because... Don't take it in any way except the fact that Sunaka is speaking of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. That would not be a proper understanding of what's trying as uh, what's being conveyed in the verse by Sunaka to Sutta. Uh, a couple things from the commentary: the Smriti Sastras. Shruti, Smriti, Puranadi. So, Shruti, what's spoken, Smriti, what's heard. What's heard basically means what's put in a form that we can comprehend so we can hear it. Just hearing the, 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 the Smriti, you know, Aham um, Brahmasmi, where do you begin? I mean, so how many of us in hearing a simple aphorism from the Vedanta Sutra, Aham Brahmasmi, are going to be able to comprehend the full import of that statement. Aham Brahmasmi, Aham. And then, I mean, if you... Anyway, in one class we were reading and, and Jiva was so nice to, his, to elaborate on that. Aham Brahmasmi, by putting in the, con in the context of the first verse of the Bhagavatam. 
and what? A hum, a hum. I I am spirit soul, you know. Atato Brahma Jignasa, Atato Brahma Jignasa. What do, what does that what does that entail? Atato, just taking it at face value. Okay, now is the time to inquire about Brahman, about the self. Atato, no, it has a lot. There's a lot more there. It also means. Atato Brahma Jignasa, now that I'm fully disgusted with all karma conduct, karma conduct type activities, now I can he inquire about Brahman. Until I'm fully exhausted, that inquiry is not going to be have enough intent to carry me. But here what we find that Sunaka, he's saying, even if the even if we don't know what's in our best interest, still we have faith in their, these narrations of Krishna Leela, that these narrations even of themselves are going to be sufficient to to purify us above all other ritualistic acts that are put forth in various scriptures, in all other paths. Krishna Leela in and of itself is so transcendentally potent that it can provide everything. So, Shruti Smriti prescribes numerous religious rituals for purification, but Sunaka exclusively recommends listening to the Leelas of Bhagavan. That's, that's nice. That makes life easy for an aspiring spiritualist. You mean I don't have to surround myself with fire in the summer? I don't have to stand in water up to my neck, freezing water in the winter? I don't have to study all the Vedas? I don't have to engage in, you know, all I have to do is listen to Krishna Leela, wow, this is pretty, and it's just as potent. No, it's not just as potent. It is more potent. It is the most potent. It is the most effective remedy to our material existence. That's its position. Even if one has yet to awaken faith, the glories of Bhagavan are so powerful that one is benefited simply by hear them, hearing them. If, however, one is already firmly established in faith, then the effects will be both profound and immediate. So if we have faith, and as our faith, and that's one of the stages, right, of progressive devotional life. It starts with faith. We may not have much to begin with, but we may have a little bit, and that gets us in the door. Well, actually, the door was already opened by a sadhu, but that's another thing. Rupa's verse starts, you know, atashrada tata sadhu sangotha. Vishwanath points out in his commentary at the beginning of the Bhagavat Purana, the beginning of the Bhagavatam, that actually there's there's first there's first the unseen influence of the sadhu so there's this is this is really the beginning of our spiritual life 
Although Rupa says, because Rupa's book is what? It's, you know, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is directed towards what? How do we practice? So, Adha Shraddha, we start with faith. How do we develop our faith? We associate. Adha Shraddha Tata Sadhu with the sadhus. Sangha, we have Sangha. Tata Shraddha Tata Sadhu Sangha the Bhajana Kriya. And we, we imitate them. They engage in bhajan and we imitate. Oh, clap these cymbals together, pound this drum, chant on these beads. The guru's doing this, I'll imitate him. I like, uh, you know, he says things that that, that, that stir my soul, so I'll, I'll, I'll imitate what he does. I may not understand what he's doing, may not even have understood what he said, but, you know, somehow or other, there's a there's a spark of faith there, and that's the beginning. So, same thing with Krishna Katha, because what is what is the guru? What's coming from his lips? Nothing but Krishna Katha. When he comes down to the Mudjam platform to preach to us, he's just speaking Krishna Katha. Now, in the beginning, our faith may be weak. What is it? Komala, Shraddha. Tender it can be uh, flickering, coming and going. Sometimes we even see that in in our lives as devotees, coming and going. In the ashram for a couple years and then out of there, off somewhere, doing no what, doing nothing good. But eventually. <laughs> Something happens and you you say, well, <laughs> that was a lot better than what I am now, so I think I'll go back. <laughs> At the very beginning of my Krishna consciousness, I was in a, a Transcendental Road Show. It was called the Transcendental Road Show. We played soft rock rock and roll. I was there with another god brother of mine, Mangalananda, maybe you've heard of him. Sings all these. He has all these albums, and, you know, Garyan and Hari Kesh. Anyway, it was it was an interesting. Vishnu John Swami was there. So this one devotee was with the road show, and people came and went. It was very. It was way back in the, you know, seventy one, seventy two. So they'd come. Devotees would come and be in the road show, and then. You know, in the middle of the night, one or two would disappear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where'd he go? I don't know where he went. His beads are there, hanging by the. Uh, you know, he left his beads. Well, oh well. <laughs> so one devotee, he took off, and he went, and no, no, he didn't get two days away from the road show, and he got shot in the face. You know. <laughs> Under some circumstance, <laughs> he got shot. It didn't hurt. It just grazed him. But it, you know, he, he got shot. You know, and <laughs> all of a sudden, he said, "I guess I should have left because he was back the next week." <laughs> all bad, you know. <laughs> That's if we're lucky. You know, if we're lucky, we can, you know, we may be turned around very quickly. 
So here we're talking about that awakening of faith. In the beginning, the faith may be a little soft, but the fact is the, the Leela of Krishna is so extraordinarily powerful that it in and of itself is sufficient to, to, to have an effect. And when our faith becomes steady, nista, we still have a narthas, they become cleared. And then after that, tata nista, some steadiness. So that's what's being spoken of here. That when there's that faith, that steady faith, then hearing Krishna Katha, the effects are immediate and profound. And then there's some real taste develops. Ruchi, Masakti, Baba, Prem. Sunaka describes Bhagavan's acts as munificent, Udara. Generally, and this is an important point, and again a distinction, and back to our beginner's classes that we're having on Saturday, the distinction between that outward activity and the inward activity. We tend to think of an agent of an act as generous, but not the act itself. Understand? Generally, when we think of an act, we think of the generation, generosity of an act, the magnificence of an act, of being the agent who enacted it. Without the agent, the act in and of itself has little significance to us when it's a material act. But here, the acts of Krishna, the Leela of Krishna, it, it's in itself is transcendentally powerful. Even if Krishna wasn't there doing it. So the Leelas in themselves are what? They're Krishna Swarup Shakti. They're saturated with Krishna's internal potency. And the acts themselves are sufficient. So the hearing of the acts, we're hearing of Krishna, but it's not like we're, Krishna did this. Krishna lifted Govardhan Hill. But the lifting of the Govardhan Hill in itself just hearing of the lifting of the hill, not the fact that Krishna did it, is also surcharged with spiritual potency. That's the nature of transcendence. What do we call it? We call it chintamani, kalpavriksha trees, chintamani stones, wish fulfilling. At every point, everything is conscious and everything is working for our for our good fortune. That's the nature of the spiritual realm. Three quarters. So one quarter is all auspicious. One quarter, one third. Three quarters, anyway. Sunaka, however, characterizes the acts themselves as munificent because they purify the heart and awaking aesthetic relish, rasa. As he proclaims two verses later, the munificence of Bhagavan's acts lies in the fact that they bless everyone who hears them. So in our next discussion, 
Sunaka will continue. Uh, and again, he is at this stage. All of these questions are, are to what end? He wants to hear Krishna Leela, but first of all, he's really trying to, to what? He's trying to enthuse the speaker, Sutta Goswami. So these are meant to, you know, imagine you want to ask a question of the speaker in such a way that you know, knowing where he's, his heart is, that you can, you can bring out the best from him in the way you present the question. So that's another thing that we can gain from, you know, a study of the way Sunaka questioned Sutta Goswami on behalf of the sages. Any questions? The uh, description of uh, those in the sacrifice, uh, I forget who said it, but um, that all the incarnations are present within Krishna, uh, all the mm -hmm. heroes. But should we understand that similar to how Guru Maharaj described like the Rasas all being present within Madhuri Rasa, but not like they're all actually tasted? Yeah, they're all distinctly, yes. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, they're all within Krishna, but also Krishna doesn't, we, yeah. I mean, he's the source of all the Leela avatars, and when he descends, all, you know, the, the, the idea is given that, well, he's the source of all, so they're all there in him. But you're correct, in, in displaying his Leela, he doesn't perform the Leelas of piercing the universe with his toe. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't come as, uh, you know, he doesn't take a chopper and, and end the end the Kali Yuga. You know, he has his specific Leela with his devotees. And then he also has specific Leelas with those devotees who have a relationship with his other manifestations. So similarly to what we were discussing at the beginning, that the, you know the the residents, all the uh, the yadus that are present in Dwarka, I mean they have a relationship with Krishna. They're able to to sit in the assembly hall, you know, and 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 they're they're perfectly relishing that manifestation of Krishna. They're perfectly happy to hear the bards singing and the and the dancers dancing and the sages there and all the all the Brahmins are there. I mean, it's a you know it's a it's a you can imagine. Here's this young prince. Everybody's trying to please him. Everybody's heart is pour, being poured out to him. All of a sudden, in walks a Narada Muni, and you know the young prince gets up and offers obeisances, and everybody's wow. Who is this person that that our prince got up and you know, and then they're speaking, you know. So, but they're fully content. And as I said, now if you put a cowherd boy in the middle of that, he's going to be like, is this going to end soon? Can we go out and have lunch and get in the pasture with the cows? It's like he's going to be, 
Are you done yet? Let's go. Get out off that throne before I throw you off of it. That's a different taste, yes. So yeah, the tastes of all the different manifestations are, are reciprocated with differently. And then one question I had in terms of like uh, bhakti affecting how strong the potency is, even from the early stage, even though it might not be realized. Like, I feel like I've heard, and I don't know where it's from in scripture, but that bhakti doesn't touch the atma until the stage of ruchi. I don't know if you've heard that or if you have any thoughts on that. I just related what Vishwanath says. I've never heard that. Okay. I've been around a few years. I've never heard that ruchi or bhava is the, you know, then you're a devotee. There seems to be, uh, if, if memory serves me right, um, some terminology that Bhakti Vinod Thakur uses, like even he, he uses the terminology of Nama Vas, uh, until you're up to the stage of uh, Sudanam or something like that. Um, it's, it's more of a generalized colloquial utilization of terminology and... Uh, what I've seen, um, and and I think your Guru Maharaj can uh, confirm this, that his presentation was was pretty generalized, you know. Um, and when I say generalized, it's not that he didn't have a full grasp of the Siddhanta of the Sampradaya represented. But the way he presented it was more of a, a sim, simpler, at sometimes during his presentations, a simpler approach and also utilizing different, what we'd call preaching strategies to, you know, to get people involved. And he may have explained things like in an in a less scientific way than a Rupa Goswami would have explained them in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. You understand? Mm -hmm. So the technical things may, may, may have been there behind the scenes, but he may have presented them in a, in a different manner. Whereas we're, you know, you know, we, myself, and I think Guru Maharaj also is kind of the core, the core presentation. And I think this will be good for the whole Gaudiya lineage going forward in time. Needs to come back to this 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 deep appreciation for the Goswamis core, because I've seen even in in some. There's one group in particular where their main approach and their main understanding is coming from uh, Jiva Dharma. Well, yeah, if you don't really know the Goswami's writings and you go to Jiva Dharma and you accept that as, as the be-all and end-all of all philosophical presentation of Krishna consciousness, you're going to wake away with some misconceptions for sure. 
you really you really need a teacher that can separate the separate out what I mean that narrative is really saying and putting putting it in the light of the ghost swamis. So my personal sense of it, we need to see things the way the Goswamis presented them. And other contemporary Vaishnavs presentations need to be seen in that light. That doesn't diminish at all their presentation. It just means that the presentation, especially when we take it out of the motherland, so to speak, out of India and go into the Western world and try to reconcile with a different language and, a, and so many different cultures and so many different spiritual understandings and, and, and be accepted on the world stage. That's, that's a huge, huge undertaking. A yeoman's task, we would say, to do that and to, to have... Bhakti Vinod writing in English and, and his, his son, primary disciple Bhakti Siddhanta, you know, Bhakti Vinanta coming here and trying to get Gaudiya Vaishnava Vaishnavism on the world stage. It's a big task. So yeah, the terminologies they use and some of the um, you know, they they took some liberties that were necessary to get the ball rolling. And what I see, I see specifically, especially in your Guru Maharaj, is, okay, the ball's rolling now. Let's make sure it's going in the right direction. So let's make sure that it's still lined up with the core teachings of the Goswamis. Otherwise, there's a chance the ball's going to roll who knows where. And then the whole current that Sri Chaitanya meant to give us can again go underground as Bhakti Rakshak Dev Goswami sometimes says. The current, we don't see one guru after another. We see just a few in the, in the line. What happened between all those years? Yeah, all those years, misconceptions grew up and they had to be gradually tamped down again. So now, now, now we're really on the world stage now let's let's make sure everything's in proper order study this you know study the the goswami's literatures doesn't mean you discount the literatures of the contemporaries but when you see something that's apparently a contradiction you see it in light of what the goswami said and you and you and you reconcile it because we're Gaudiya Vaishnavs and that means you know the the uh, the founding acharyas of our sampradaya are, are Lord Chaitanya's immediate dis disciples. So it's you know it's just gradually it, it needs to come to that, and I I see I see that current in the world now, and I see it uh, it I believe it'll become more and more profound as 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 we move forward. I also see <laughs> that it will become less and less profound in some Sanghas of Vaishnavas and those deviations will will, will delay uh, 
those unfortunate practitioners for some time. We don't want misconceptions. Go before the guru in doubt. Lay your misconceptions aside. Make sure you understand everything in, in perfect harmony. Does that answer? So no, I've never heard that. But I can see where somebody could surmise that for maybe some of the writings if they don't have the deeper understanding. So they may have taken some comment by a contemporary out of context and then they're saying, well, there's nothing really going on in your spiritual life unless you're at the stage of Ruchi or Bhava or, you know. Yeah, you're not really, you know, you may not be really fully having a fully formed faith yet but that doesn't mean that 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 you know you're not a devotee or you're you you're being neglected by krishna or or his you know his emissaries in the world in any way they're still looking out for you even when you hang your beads on the wall and head out the door don't think that you you know those are still great souls. Anybody that's come has, 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 has shown some interest. Uh, Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, in this path there's no loss or diminution. It's not lost, whatever you've done. I carry what they have and I, pre I preserve what they have and I carry what they lack. I carry them through those times of lacking. We notice the great Acharyas, even Prabhupada, I could fall into my at any minute. I'm so fallen. I mean, that's a good attitude to have. We're always on guard then. Does that help? Anything else? Thank you so much.